Welcome to Subway Sports Talk. Dan, 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 clear of the closing doors, please. All right, here we go. Subway Sports Talk, the first ever Subway Sports Talk. My name is Peter Kennedy, and I am your host. So excited to come here to you guys today with a very similar vibe and format that we always have on the Sports Blog New York podcast, but with a new title and some new energy that will hopefully bring you guys some wonderful content that we cannot wait to share in this new world of sports uh, in amid a pandemic. We have a new podcast uh, set up for you guys, Subway Sports Talk. So welcome to the first ever installment of SST, as we can call it for short. And joining me, none other than one of my first ever uh, consistent co-hosts on the Sports Blog New York podcast, and now my first co-host on the Subway Sports Talks podcast, Alec Argento. What's up, dog? Hey. Dude, it's it's crazy because we're sitting here today, uh, what is it, July 21st or 22nd when this podcast comes out. We started this, you know, years ago, you and I sitting in your basement with no microphones, uh, terrible audio, the air conditioning going, it sounded probably terrible. If I listened back to one of those episodes, I'd be mortified right now. And I like to think we've made some great audio improvements. Now we have a new title. Alec, you've been along for a lot of this. How's it feel to have a little bit of a new setup here? I'm excited, and, and I'm excited about your passion for this, man. There's a real passion coming through. Feels like this one is going to be big time on this, but um, I'm, I'm still here for the spicy takes. Oh, yeah. Uh, to, uh, my, my opinions on Dak Prescott haven't changed. My opinions on Mike Trout haven't changed. If anything, <laughs> they've only been exacerbated <laughs> at this point. So we're, we're here, and I've been, I've been validated and vindicated time over time, and I'm oh, happy to carry that over from Sports Blog New York to Subway Sports Talk. I'm, I'm glad you still have uh, a set of, I don't want to say arrogance makes it sound like really negative. Unearned bravado, I like to call There we go. That's actually a perfect way to put it. Unearned bravado. I think your Mike Trout opinions may come up today, even though me and Andrew will try to, to you know, hedge hedge your, what what you, what is it called? Uh, bravado? Unearned bravado? My, my unearned bravado. Yeah, we're going to try to lower that just a little bit with the Mike Trout stuff, but we'll see what happens because this will be a baseball episode. And I just gave it away. Our other guest, the the big three, the trio, not the third because that would be me in a baseball sense, but a part of this big three, Andrew Kalania. What's up, dog? Hey. Dude, uh, you, you've you joined the podcast. What was the first time you, you came on uh, Sports Blog New York? I think two years ago. Okay. Uh, yeah. I don't even know what time is anymore. We, we, it doesn't even we, matter. Yeah, we were we were still employed at the same company when uh, uh, when I joined on. Oh my god, that feels like a lifetime ago. It really does. Yeah. But nonetheless, I, I, we have our little group chat. We're called the Designated Hitters in there, and I think that might have to make its way onto the podcast. Uh, but Andrew oh, yeah. and Alec and myself are here to talk about all things Mets, all things Yankees, and Major League Baseball in general. Obviously, amid this pandemic, we have uh, some some different ways of watching games, not being able to be at games, the play-by-play and an analyst or sometimes not even at the games. It's a whole new vibe. It's only a 60-game season. It's going to cause for chaos and excitement, and I personally couldn't be more excited for it. Uh, I think in a weird way, people like me, who's maybe the MLB is not their number one followed sport, this season, unlike any other, 
has a level of excitement that is hard to come by in a 162-game season, which is going to cause for all sorts of drama, which is very exciting. Uh, Every game counts for that much more, which is very exciting. And and I think we're going to have a great time talking baseball on this podcast. But let me just do some quick wrap-up stuff on the Sports Blog New York uh, situation. You know, all the love in the world to Sport Blog NYC. I mean, I've been working with them for such a long time now, and I'm thrilled to have the years we did with Sports Blog New York podcast. It wasn't anything too specific about wanting to change it up, but it felt like a great time to you know make it a little more unique, make it a little bit more of of my own and our own, and have some fun with it. And hit the ground running when sports are coming back into our lives. NBA starting in just one more week from now. Football on the horizon, feeling okay about them figuring out a way to play this season as well. Uh, so what a great time in sports. Shout out to Sportblog NYC. Still going to be working with them. Still going to be on that Twitter a bit. Um, but hit us up at Subway Sports Talk. That's TLK because Twitter you know, limits your characters in the at name, which is silly. But whatever, Subway Sports Talk, TLK. Hit us on Twitter, and thank you so much to anybody who you know followed us on the Sport Blog New York podcast and is now here on Subway Sports Talk. It means the world to me that anyone clicks on this, gives it a listen, sends me a text, shoots us a tweet, any of that stuff. It, it really does, you know, it lights up my day. It makes me very excited. It makes me more excited to come out and keep doing this stuff. But that's enough jibber jabber. Now let's jibber jabber in in a, a more directioned purpose. Baseball. Baseball is back, gentlemen and ladies, if you're listening. But the Yankees specifically get to open up the season. Guys, would you have it any other way than for the Yankees to be the first game of the season? It feels right, doesn't it? Absolutely. I thought I was a little upset, uh, and just to pour a little salt in, the, the Mets were supposed to open up in D.C. versus the Nationals, so I was really wanting to rub it in my Mets fans' uh, friends. Uh, you know, to watch the watch their division rival receive the World Series. Like, I don't even know if they're going to get the rings, but you know, the probably the two two of the better teams, the best team in the American League, and one of the better teams in the National League facing off. Uh, you know, you can't ask for more. Yeah, I, I'm not happy that it's going to be on ESPN for my first mm. for the first game of the season. As always, uh, you know, obviously as New Yorkers, we're attached to our our, our crew, our broadcast crews that we have here. But um, to have America's team. Uh, by you know in the Yankees, but also geographically America's team and, and Washington D.C.'s team, the two best pitch, uh, you know, arguably the two best pitchers in baseball uh, matching up against each other. That's going to be awesome. Um, and you know the Yankees look so ready for the season. They look like in midseason form. Actually, I shouldn't say midseason form because midseason form would mean that we're on our fourth outfielder, and, uh, <laughs> you know, and our, our sixth first baseman, and whoever the case is. So, uh, but yeah, everyone looks up. good. Everyone looks healthy. Yeah, but um, it, I'm just I'm so pumped to have it back, and especially since the the Knicks are one of the what two teams that didn't didn't make the bubble for <laughs> for basketball. I have something to watch and root for, uh, specifically to a team that I follow and. You know, this was supposed to be our year, so hopefully it is. It's been, uh, first off, it's supposed to have been your year for like three years in a row. I mean, not really, but like kind of. Have you ever heard of this thing that happened in Houston recently? Um, nah, what happened? Please, please fill me in. Uh, I'm not even going to get into it. I know. Oh, by the way, it, it should, it, I know. I didn't, honestly, I was being sarcastic. Okay. I didn't want you to actually go there, but real quick I, on the broad. I'll oh, go ahead. Honestly, honestly, I think like the, this Yankees team is the best Yankees team they've had since like, you know, this core is starting to come together, Judge and 
Sanchez and, and everybody. This this is the best team they've had, uh, you know, since the since the Jeter years. It's like the the early 2010s. I, I honestly believe it. And I uh, I actually well, tweeted this from the Sport Blog account the, the other day after the Mets and Yankees played. I think it was the first game. Gary Cohen said it because I was watching the SNY broadcast. Obviously, uh, Gary Cohen said of all the teams to have maybe benefited from this delayed season start, the Yankees have to be atop that list because the injuries were absurd and we've been joking about it. And you know, you guys have probably not been so jokey about it because it's, it hurts your team, but the injuries were insane for the Yankees last season, which is why Aaron Boone deserves such large amounts of credit for what he was able to do and piece together. Or if you want to say Brian Cashman, either way, the two of them together, what they did last year was impressive. Everybody was hurt. Aaron judge was like hardly himself for most of the season. If he was even on the field Uh, and to say that there's positives to come from this situation, which is obviously so negative is kind of crappy, but let's be honest. The Yankees really, really benefited from this situation where now Judge is healthy, Stanton is healthy, Aaron Hicks is swinging a bat. They were saying on the broadcast that he's going to be probably the first player ever to have gotten off-season Tommy John and not miss a game. I mean, granted, there's extenuating circumstances, but nonetheless beneficial to the Yankees here. So, Alec, I joked with you before about every year's the Yankees year. This year, you really could argue that this is their year but the chaos, the drama, the shortened season can can corrupt that a little bit, which we will talk about. Uh, but one other thing real quick, I want to talk about broadcasting because before we get into the ins and outs of the Mets lineup and rotation, the Yankees lineup and rotation, what we expect in their division, awards, all that stuff, um, the way we're going to consume baseball is now changed. It's completely different, at least to an extent. Even if you're not somebody who went to a lot of games, the TV product will be different, um, and that's you know, going to have its ups and downs, but there's definitely some positives and some things we're going to hear from the players, specifically interactions and conversations that are going to be very exciting. But here's a question for you guys and try to remove your bias as best as you can. But I put this on sport blog, NYC, Twitter, Alec is shaking his head already that he's not removing any bias. Uh, But this is, this is my question. Let's try to settle something here. Gary, Keith and Ron or Michael K, Paul O'Neill, David Cohn and company, because they're, Booth obviously changes a bit more. Mets broadcast on SNY or Yankees broadcast on Yes. Who deserves the crown? Uh, you know, I, I, I'm pretty biased against, um, you know, the Mets in general. <laughs> so I, I, it's hard for me to remove the bias. Like, yeah, you don't say. But um, Gary, Keith, and Ron are good. Uh, I, I, I I know this is silly, but I always feel like the S and Y production values are a little bit lower than yes, and it and I feel that when I'm watching the game, and I'm call it unfair, but uh, you know I, I attribute that uh, unfairly to 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 the to Gary Keith and Ron. They're great at what they do, uh, and but I, what I think is if I'm being impartial, I think what's nice about the Mets is that they don't have this constant flow of different people in, and you have this 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 chemistry that's pervasive through every game whereas the yankees will have you know a thousand different broadcasters that being said pound for pound i'll take i'll take k cone and, and o'neill any day of the week um i'm not the biggest k guy i'd prefer ruko but ruko doesn't have the chemistry that, that k and cone have um i know i know drew's about to say something and i actually 
am going, I'm, I'm going to preface it by saying that I actually entirely disagree because <laughs> one person he's going to mention, <laughs> I, I'm just saying, I'm the one person that he's going to mention, I do not like at all, and I think he's the weakest link of the Yankees broadcast. Oh my God, here we go. I'm very intrigued. If, if, if you're talking about Ken Singleton, we're going to, I'm going to, I am. Throw, oh I my am. God. <laughs> oh. Ken, Kenny's like the like your like the cool like the cool uh, uncle that you have. Like I, I can't I can't stand uh, K. Like if K is with anyone else besides Paul O'Neill, I, I I can tolerate Michael K. But then with the two of them together, like you the, like by the third inning, they're talking about food and hot dogs. Like they're like Paul O'Neill's so checked out of the game. And I, I, I can't well, with them. So, so like, my, but that's my, a similar thing to what Gary Keith and Ron do. I mean, that's the dynamic they have too. It's, yeah. it's like they're buddies in the, in the, yeah. In, in, in yeah, the but it, box, but, you know? Yeah. But like, yeah, but like you said, like they, they, it's them all the time. So like they get like a report. So like, but like when, when, when yes makes it better by adding Ruko in and putting Ken in and putting David Conan, like Cone is like, Cone was uh was in the was uh, talked about for being the Yankees pitching coach because he's that much into uh the sabermetrics and stuff, and he just brings another level to the broadcast that 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 frankly nobody at, at either side uh actually has. So I, I'm a huge David Cone guy uh to to listen to him because again I'm I'm very much into uh analytics and saber sabermetrics and you know that kind of goes with my my background and my job as well. Um, so, so if I got to go pound for pound, I, I'm, I'm picking column C, I, I'll, I'll take, uh, I'll take Ruko, I'll take Cone and I'll, I'll take Singleton, but I'll, I'll tolerate Michael K. So and, and, wait, and, what, what's and, your Garrett Keith and Ron take Andrew? No, again, as Alex said, they, they, they have great chemistry. They, they're, uh, you know, they, they get along. They're a bunch of buddies talking, talking along. But again, if I, to, to get the, to get the, at the, the broadcast that I, that I like. That's kind of get a little more in-depth knowledge. It's not really just on the surface uh, baseball stuff. Give me cone. Give me give me the yes booth. I I hear that. I hear all that stuff. I personally, I always love to just kind of poke a thorn into Yankee fans' side and just say how Paul O'Neill was like the biggest crybaby of all time in sports, and and people want to take his his crybabiness for toughness, and that he was like the toughest guy. Alec is rolling his eyes, and I adore it. I mean, this dude was just such a crybaby on the field and always complaining. He would hit a home – he hit a home run once pop, that he thought he popped up, threw his bat, was like, throwing his arms in the air, and it was a home run. I mean, as a player, he used to drive me insane, but – impartially I think he's actually not bad in the booth him and Kay do have a nice chemistry and you know I do hear what you're saying Andrew I do like to have that next level thinking when it comes to uh analysts like I like when they're thinking smarter than the average fan or even just your average player they're thinking above that like with the sabermetrics or the new style of the game uh, I liken it to you know in basketball like Van Gundy has some of the Jeff Van Gundy because Stan's actually also an analyst now but Jeff has all these things that he was a coach, he sees on this different level, but then also he's such a goof. Like he's such a goofball and like, we'll make all these weird jokes. And I love having both sides of that. And I kind of feel like Gary, Keith and Ron in a way encompass that very well. Cause Ron could be a little more of a straight shooter. Keith is an absolute wild card, but his knowledge of the game is, is pretty immense. And yeah, he's not with all of the, the new age stuff, but he's with a lot of it. And a lot of it he does kind of rock with, which I personally really enjoy. Um, I mean, I thought, you know what? I thought this was going to be 
going to swing in one direction, personally. Like, I thought either Gary, Keith, and Ron were going to take it, like, 60-40, or they were just going to get wiped. And currently, I purposely set this for a two-day poll, so it'll go right up until first pitch of the Yankees' opening day game. Um, But it's currently 51.9% to 48.1% in favor of Michael Kay and company. So it's a close race, and I think we're blessed. In New York, if you're turning on a Mets game, you're turning on a Yankee game, you're getting a pretty damn good broadcast no matter what. And Ruko, I will stand for Ruko always. That dude has excelled at everything he's ever done, whether whether it be radio, talk show stuff. He was great. His podcast with CeCe Sabathia is great. He's awesome at basketball with the Nets and ESPN. This dude can legitimately do it all, and... There's going to be a day very soon, not very soon, soon enough, where he is the Yankees' full-time guy, and he's yep. possibly release, uh, replacing Mike Breen as ESPN's number one basketball guy. So shouts to Ruko. That guy's a stud. You should get him on the podcast. Hey, maybe I'll uh, sl- <laughs> I'll start sliding in the DMs. He seems like a nice enough guy. If he sees it, he might give it a shout. He likes Star Wars. Talk so to him I- about Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. So I gotta interject because I will not stand for Paul O'Neill slander. Um, he was my favorite player growing up uh, for a reason. I wish I could mute you. You need a player like Paul. You need a player like Paul O'Neill on a championship winning team because he's feisty. And Brett Gardner is Paul O'Neill. He's Stop. our Paul O'Neill. That is- he's the guy. He everything that people love Brett Gardner for. He does is the exact same reason that, that Paul O'Neill uh, was either loved or hated. So. I'm not going to handle that. I'm not, I'm not going to uh, uh, hear that. So the other thing I want to say is what I love about the, the Cone, uh, O'Neal, and Kay booth is that Kay actually, which is, is very weird for Kay because he's not this type of personality. He actually, I feel like, takes a step back and just kind of facilitates with them, which I think is great because I think that's what Kay does best. And what's nice about the two of them is that you get the, the advanced analytics in Cone, but you also get – a, two people that played together in an era where it was, you know, it, it, they, they're two loose cannons. You don't know what they're going to say. And David Cohn is good for one or two quotable things that are going to go on Twitter that Absolutely. each game. And and I love that. And, you know, that's something that I think baseball needs, especially the Yankees. And and Kay, whether you like Kay or not, Kay's been in the business for a long time and has been very successful. And Kay talks about O'Neill as the best uh, color guy since Phil Rizzuto. So if, if, if you're going to listen to what Kay has to say about that uh, and respect, whether you like him or not, you have to respect Kay for what he's done. I would listen to that because I think O'Neill is fantastic in the booth. Yes. Um, I said, but, but he, yeah, but he, he's just got, he, he's, he's got to be paired with the right people. And I, and I, I understand what Andrew's saying because I hate Kay's radio show now because it's just them BSing together with, you know, with Rosenberg, who, which I think a lot of people think that he raised the show to a different level. I think he's taken it down a million times and he's done the same thing with the broadcast booth uh, with, with those two people. So it's either you like it or you love that type of thing. Um, I personally love that dynamic there. And Ken Singleton, I, I just think is kind of bland milk toast kind Ooh, of guy. Toast. I do love his tweets. Oh. I, I do love his tweets that just start with look out uh, before everything that he does. I think that's fantastic. Um, but he just doesn't really have, he doesn't bring anything to the table that any random ex baseball player could bring in my opinion. So that's, that's just my perspective. Milk okay. toast I, is like one of the worst things you can say about somebody. I don't know. Ken, Ken brings uh, kind of, I guess that old school mentality, but Ken does just, I, I think about Ken, he doesn't dismiss the analytics. Like I feel like a lot of the older school guys kind of just, dismiss, Oh, this is, that's not how I did it back in my day. So that's that's what I appreciate about Kenny. And the thing about Cone, too, is that he doesn't, you know, when he tries to explain things, 
he doesn't talk down to the audience like that, that he's smarter than you that he just like, you know, this is you know he's like if you want to be in the know like this is exactly how these front offices are evaluating players so you know i'm just trying to you know inform the audience and and, and you know get them get them up to speed on basically how baseball teams are run so i i really appreciate that about him and, and I think I'll say about Kay is that, you know, I, you know, I like Michael, but there's just some times where he can't just let the moment breathe. He has to interject. He has to put his spin. Like when Jeter got his walk-off hit, I was at the stadium when he got his last hit at the, at the stadium when he, he had to say, when fantasy becomes reality or whatever, whatever BS that he, but yes, right. like just let, just let That's his crowd. job. He's a play by play. No, 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 no. Hold on. Hold on. Let my, you have to let the moment breathe. You have to just let like, it's one of the biggest, biggest moments of Jeter's career outside of like the world series stuff. Like you have to let the moment breathe. You have to let the crowd. And people remember to... history with an exclamation point. You think that people said that about Harry Carey or Vince Scully? They put their their their, their Dude, player no, on every that's play. a bad that's, what you're known that's for. a bad job by you. Vince Scully is known for letting it breathe. He Vince Scully he's like a master at that at that stuff. But hold on, so that call in particular, I I kind of disagree with because I think it is a very legendary call by Michael K. It it was perfectly executed in, in a way he could have let some more moments breathe. And this is what I, when it comes to play by play, people get so mad at this one dude. And he's a national guy who's done the biggest moments in our sports lives by far unquestioned Joe Buck. Right. And people hate yep. this man. People think that Joe Buck hates their team. He doesn't. Right. So, if, but besides the point right now, if you, take away all like the banter that Joe Buck will do in between pitches or in between plays in football. And you simply listen to his play by play broadcast. He is a master. He did the call for DD Gregorius, the grand slam uh, in the play. was in the playoffs last year. Mm-hmm. Dude. The play in the, yeah. the wild card play in against the twins. It was so simple. It was just, Indian, Indian, Indian. it was just two, one count. He hits it. If, it, if it's fair, it's gone. Grand Slam Gregorius, and that was it. And then it was just quiet, and the crowd was going bananas, and he said like nine words, and it was beautiful. And, and Kay could take a play out of that playbook a little bit more, because I hear you, Andrew, but there are certain times where I think Kay's spice uh, becomes historic in its own right. I understand. Besides the point. You want, to talk, you want to talk about, real quick, you want to talk about someone who doesn't let the game breathe, talk about John Sterling. John Sterling uh, is the well, worst uh, is the worst broadcaster in the game. So maybe maybe my, my perspective is coming from the fact that a K has been the guy just my entire life, right? He's the only he's the only Yankees play by play guy that I know. And the other thing is that I'm really comparing it less to Gary Keith and Ron and comparing it more to John Sterling. And I understand that radio you have to be a little bit more descriptive than what you're doing on, on you know during a, a television broadcast, but comparatively speaking, Kay looks like he's in the majors 10 years, uh, 10 years into his career. Whereas John Sterling just sounds like an idiot every time. I mean, John Sterling's basically Julio Franco right now. Like he should, he, he should really come in for like one at bat every week, but he's still showing up to every single game. Like that dude's a living legend, John Sterling. And I work for the WFAN. So like I, you know, have, I have a different respect for him than I did before when I thought it was just all, you know, mistaken calls and, and him, be, John being John and baseball being baseball, Susan, like all that stuff becomes a joke, but it's actually like, you know, at this point in our lives, it's pretty cool 
to still be listening to John Sterling putting these calls together. And granted, he makes his fair share of mistakes. Uh, but yeah, the radio TV thing's tough. I just want to say this. Cohen, Gary Cohen is a wonderful play-by-play guy. He lets it breathe when need be. He has his signatures. He has his good calls. Uh, the out of here is, is just is just lovely. It's, you know, Michael K's see ya. Uh, same concept. I think we're blessed, and uh, I don't want to spend too much more time on this, but I- I'm real curious to see who comes out on top of this poll. I'm, I'm very, very curious because it's very close right now. But yeah. All right, that's it. That's all we got there. That's good. Perfect. So let's keep this thing moving and talk about some actual baseball stuff now that we uh, bantered on that for a, for a while. But that's, you know, it, it's what happens here on the Subway Sports Talk. I almost caught myself there saying Sports Blog New York. But let's talk about some more specific baseball stuff. And uh, off the jump, let's open up. Because we got to see the Mets and the Yankees actually face off this past weekend, we can kind of use that as a takeoff point, And then we can, you know, go into... Uh, the specifics of the Yankees lineup rotation, Mets lineup rotation, et cetera. But Alec, I'll go to you first with seeing these two teams face off each other with the inter squads and the limited camp and this weird coronavirus time that we live in. What did you kind of like expect to see going into these exhibitions, Mets versus Yankees? And then what did you take away from it? Well, I expected to see the level of play and the level of effort that I saw in the inter-squad game, and I was pleasantly surprised that that's not what I saw. Uh, granted, there was some kind of, you know, some, some wacky stuff going on with the judge home run with four with three outs on, uh, already in the inning and, and whatnot, but I didn't expect it to seem like baseball as much as it did, right? Uh, and I'm really happy with what MLB did. Uh, I think that and I've watched not just the Yankee games. I, you know, I watched the, I watched the Philly game and uh, I forgot. I think I watched the Cardinals game too. Um, but uh, you know, it's, it, it just seemed nice to, and normal. And, you know, you, you don't even, the crowd noise I thought was going to feel weird and artificial, but I think that it seemed normal and, and wasn't distracting. And then in terms of level of play, I mean, it wasn't like a regular spring training game, right? It wasn't like you, you were getting your starters for an inning and a half or two innings or whatever it was. And they were taking them out. There was effort put into the games. I mean, they, we, we were joking in our group chat that they challenged the call in the second inning the other day. Um, so and it's nice to see that. Yeah. And I love it. You play to win the game, you know, the old term, the germ. Um, but I love that the Yankees look ready, right? They look like they, they kept up during the off season. I mean, they're, they're picking up where they left off last year, hitting home runs. But Judge looks exceptional, right? You have players last year that you're hoping don't turn back into pumpkins like Gio Urshela and Mike Talkman, who looked great. And then, you know, in terms of the Mets, I, I, I don't know if it's fair to compare them because they didn't look great. But at the same time, they're not putting out Jacob deGrom and, you know, uh, uh, even Steven Matz or Marcus Stroman. They put out right. scrubs, right? And um, well, you, you have more. Off who, who, <laughs> they put out yeah. scrubs, aka their two bigger pitching signings in the offseason. <laughs> oh yeah, I forgot they put out Rick Porcello and Walker. Rick, I mean, nobody really expects. They put out Walker. I thought no, they, put out, Waka no, pitch? they put out somebody else. No. Oh no, right, no, Oswald. No, no. They put out Oswald. It was doesn't yeah, matter. Oswald. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, and like you know, their defense looks sloppy. But that guy Moroff's not making the team, right? Like th- th- no. it's not really something to, to worry about as much. Pete Alonso looks good, right? You want to see that. Joanna Yo- uh looks decent, right? And that's a big win for him to look decent. <laughs> Ro- Robinson Cano, look- what's that, Drew? 
No, no, he, uh, Cespedes went down the line. He, that's that was that reverse call because Cespedes got down the line like pretty good. I think the, uh, the the umpire was so shocked that he actually ran to first that he was like, "Oh yeah. shit, <laughs> shit, safe, safe." I guess safe. he's safe. I guess he's safe. <laughs> if you look at the play though, yeah, and I think the, the 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 yes crew called it out, but he actually did look a little ginger towards the the the, the, the actual base. Yeah, he didn't, didn't want to step like, on it awkwardly. Yeah. Don't blame him. I mean, I let's be honest. Not, I will. I will never not laugh at, at the Boar incident. By the way, like you, you tell me that every broadcast, I'm going to laugh at it. It's Let, preposterous. Let's be honest too about about Yo. Like him looking decent right now is basically equivalent to him looking like an an all star again. Because I mean, and I hate to to bring Jed Lowry up so quick because we're still we're supposed to be talking about the Yankees a little bit right now too. But Yohannes Espinosa is now healthy. And playing before Jed Lowry's even off the I like Jed Lowry's back on the IL. What the hell's going on there? Yeah. So I, that's crazy. He's be but a cardboard like, cutout. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's played. He's Lowry's played like what, like six games as a Met. He's going into year two. Might have six two. at bats. Brutal. Yeah, it's cr- crazy. Yeah. But no, and Cespedes as the DH. I think again. I, I said this last time, last podcast I was on that I don't think there's a single team that benefits from having a DH more than the Mets do. So you have, you have all these candidates that can, that can step in and rotate in. You have Cespedes, you have Cano, you have Dom Smith. I think Dom Smith is chopping at the bit to, you know, he had that walk-off home run to end the Mets season last year, which was, it was, it was such a My weird guy. That hit the over for me, though. baby. I think I talked about this on the pod. I had the Mets over yeah. wins, and I guess, what did they have, 87 wins, 86 wins? Whatever it was, I forget. They needed one more win last game of the season to hit the over. And Dom Smith, I was still at CBS with you, Andrew. I hit yeah. He hit that home run, and I walked over to our buddy Chris Mangan, and I was like, Dom Smith is my hero. He just hit the over for me. That was the <laughs> best moment of the season for you, boy. Absolutely. So they they have they have a ton of candidates in there that, that, that can step into the DH role and that's that's exciting for them and honestly I think I think the NL DH is here to stay so that's that's exciting too you know we, we call yeah. ourselves the designated hitters because we're all we're all we're all in favor of the of the DH coming to the NL because we're so so sick of pitchers hitting but you know it, it's gonna be it's it's a it's gonna be really exciting for the Mets to to see those guys be able to rotate in and. Have a good chance because if if Cespedes had to play the outfield every day, no way. There's not even sixty games. He would he would stand. He wouldn't hold up. Just he would know, have to have two just, off days a week or something like that. Like yeah, for it sure. Was, it just wouldn't. It wouldn't happen. And I mean, I I'm I'm I mean the reason. One, oh, hold on. Let me backtrack for a second here because this is an important thing to talk about. We've talked about it almost at nauseum when we talk about baseball on this podcast is how silly it is to have two different leagues have two different rules, uh, and the DH needs to be across all of the MLB, and we're finally getting that this year. Uh, even though it may have not been the way we expected to get it in, in baseball, we're here. We got to this point and couldn't be more excited. I actually, speaking to Keith Hernandez before, I heard him say on a podcast um, that it's still something he's not for, but it'll be good for this season, blah, 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 because you never know. The pitcher is just the joker in the, wild, in the lineup. He's a wild card. What if he gets a big hit? It's pretty dope. I'm like, yeah, but... It just doesn't happen. It's not that cool because it doesn't happen that often. And just get over it. You're you seeing, you know, four home runs from a pitcher for an entire year is not worth the flexibility you have on your favorite team's lineup. And I've been watching the Yankees for years now be able to give, um, you know, 
I don't know how much Gary Sanchez, Sanchez does it, but yeah, yeah but give Sanchez, Sanchez like a half a day off and he doesn't have to catch. He could still hit. Give Stanton a day. He doesn't play the field ever. He's DHing. Give him a day off. Give someone else a DH spot. They're getting so many more people at bats. So many more people who deserve at bats. Like imagine if the Yankees didn't have a DH and do hard. Like what is he worth? Talkman is he going to play? Maybe because he's good at defense, but he's going to get pinch hit for. Like, I, dude, it, it's it's so crazy to me to even consider not having a DH for the Yankees that why should we consider it for all these NL teams? There will be a point, I think in three years or less for most people where they look back and say, I can't believe that we used to make Steven Matz go up there four times a, a game. You know, like Listen, what's the point for, for every Bartolo Colon home run you get, and then you get five times the amount of, guys just looking absolutely helpless at the plate or just popping up bunts. Like, it's just not aesthetically pleasing at all. Like, again, Bartolo Colon, that was a, a top five moment of all time. But still, <laughs> like, it's not it's, – it, it's, it's not worth it. It's not – it's absolutely – I'm so in favor of the DH. I'm so in favor of getting on an even playing field and, and, and moving forward. I think it's going to be weird, though, because I don't – you're not going to have it next year, right? Because the CBA is not up till the year after. Oh, I think it's and in and forever. to go back, well, I I don't think so because you you look at the state of affairs between Manfred and Clark right now between the Players Association and the league, and we know that these two sides do not like each other and will not give each other an inch, right? So we all know that the players want a DH, right? Uh, Cohen said it in the last broadcast, but it creates 15 more jobs for for players that that don't have a job right now, right? And and it makes sense for the players, but are they going to even admit that they want it at this point? I mean, I, I would, and nobody hates baseball more than baseball, right? Yeah. I, I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if, if there's a strike and, and they use this as a leveraging piece, right? They use it. They try to package it with some, with some other things that they want. I, I don't know that it's as straightforward as, like, of course the players want it, but they also want a lot of other things. And unless they package it with something else, I don't think it's as straightforward as people think it is. I think it gets done, I, but I don't think it happens next year. I just think, I think it's it going to go. I think everything goes back to normal next year. I think it goes so well this year and nationally teams are going to appreciate it so much that they're going to be like, there's no way you're taking this away from us. It, yeah, it's I, I it's going to be such a ingrained part of the game by game 15 of this weird ass 60 game season. It's going to be a completely normal thing that pitchers don't hit. And you know why it's a completely normal thing? Because in every other face of a phase of baseball in a player's real life, high school on pitchers don't hit pitchers stop practicing right. hitting in high school or earlier. Sometimes why are we going to then end in the minors? You don't hit in the minors. Say Alec Argento. Alec Argento, big-time pitching prospect. First-round pick, makes his way to single A, doesn't take one swing, not even a bunt attempt. He gets called up to double A, not even one swing. Triple A, not even a swing. Major leagues, Alec, uh, get in there and go face uh, Max Scherzer. Like, what? (laughs) It's just ridiculous. Yeah. And and even in in Japanese, Korean baseball, too, all of the DH, around the world, the Mexican League, Arizona Fall League, every league, DH, just I think it's like one of the one of the two one or two leagues that still has pitchers batting until now. Cray 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 cray. Anyways, let's get on to some actual specifics about these two teams that we love so much, the Mets and the Yankees, and we'll start with the Yankees because they are 
a team that's on the top of all the projections. They are looked at as the cream of the crop in baseball. You think about the Yankees, and you probably can say, you know, you put the Dodgers at a level of uh, of that strength, and then maybe, like, who else is really in that tier, Andrew, um, with the Yankees and, like, the Dodgers? You can probably argue the Astros are still around, and my chaotic brain would love to see them actually still do well this year because it'll piss everyone off. Uh, but who else is in that stratosphere with the Yankees right now? I, I I think you just said it. I think it's I think it's the Dodgers and and maybe the Astros because the Astros got again it, the Astros took I, I, I arguably their best pitcher and now the Yankees have them on on their team. So and and besides outside of a 37 year old Justin Verlander and a 37 year old uh, Zach Greinke, you have a lot of question marks behind the Astros as well. You know they had the great offense and pretty good. You know they lost Will Harris in the bullpen as well. So uh, you know the Astros. Uh, not not as a little bit weaker than than they have been as of recently, but I think the top two teams it's Yankees and Dodgers, and it's everybody else. I agree with that. I would also say don't discount the Twinkies this year. I think the Twins have a good team. I think the Twins' offense is really really good. Their pitching is suspect, but it's not. I say it's like you're you're relying on a lot of question marks, like you said with the Astros uh, pitching rotation. Um, I I don't think the Twins are a bad team at all this year. They were a great team last year. They got better in the offseason. Um, and I, I could just see them being being a nuisance this year for a lot of teams. I'm actually really happy that we don't have to play them this year <laughs> during the regular season. Yeah. Josh Donaldson, that's a, that was a huge pick, huge pickup for them. And already they led baseball. Yeah. Most yeah. home runs in the history of baseball uh, in, in a single season. They just added Josh Donaldson to that lineup. That's a, uh, that's pretty crazy. Didn't yeah, they? So uh, I, I, yeah. Didn't they beat the Yankees by one home run last year and broke the record? I think so. Yeah, it, it, I think so. it, it irks me like crazy. You have no idea <laughs> yeah. they they have the record. <laughs> like the Yankees didn't also break the record last Sammy year. Sammy Sosa They're style. The Dodgers were like a, a home run behind too. Yeah, I mean, no, I think they, they shattered that. All three teams with that rocket ball absolutely shattered the the record. So you know. Yeah. Well, the ball's not juiced though. The ball's not juiced. Hey, you know what? Who cares if the ball's juiced? Who cares? Uh, pitchers care, I don't actually. Care. Just admit it. Just, just don't, right. don't, don't just lie to me. say the yeah. ball is more don't dynamic than it used to be. There you go. Boom. You're done. Um, all right. Well, so the, the tier really goes Yankees, Dodgers. We'll say Twins. I'll say Astros. I personally, I think the Braves, even without Freddie Freeman this year, have a stacked lineup, and if their pitching could be really good, uh, they could be in the in the realm, even though they're in a – Tough division, but so are the Yankees. I don't know. It, it's going to be interesting to see how the Braves handle you know this. I, I understand, and I understand that the Nationals lost Rendon, and that's a huge piece of their team. But in a sixty-game season with that pitching staff, I mean, of course, I, I wouldn't discount them either. There's I mean, also I, a World I, I Series I hangover. I know everyone's going to throw out. Yeah, but I also know everyone's going to throw out the oh, they wouldn't have made the playoffs last year in sixty games. But I don't care. I mean, like I, I, I still think that team's a really good team. I, Their I think team, it's a great team. Juan Soto might win MVP this year, right? And like yeah. you have Max Scherzer and and um and and Steven Strasburg. Like, think of think of it like this. You know, you know when you, you go into the playoffs and you say, well, the pitching staff isn't that great, but it's made for the playoffs. When mm-hmm. you have two or three really good starters and a really good offense, that's all that really matters. You have a 60-game season, and if your pitchers are ready to go from day one, you're going to win the majority of your games, right? You win, If you win three out of five, you're going to make the playoffs, especially with the expanded playoffs this year. And I, I you, you get them in the playoffs, I'm not scared. I, I'm pretty scared of them. No, uh, yeah, and, and that just uh, 
that just that just goes against like the the craziness of the sixty game season. It's just like like how you said, like the Nationals. I believe the first sixty games they went twenty seven and thirty three last year. They would not they wouldn't sniff the playoffs. And the crazy part is that like even like the worst of teams, you talk about a sixty game sample that even the Marlins. We lost 105 games last year. They during a 60 game stretch, they went 29 31, and they lost and they lost 100 games. Yeah, well, and lost 100. They lost 100. That's crazy, right there. They, and they played 500 ball. Like that, that could that could possibly qualify the Marlins for for the postseason. Like this, uh, it, it, this 60 game sprint to the finish line is going to be something we've never seen before. All and right, that, well, that gets me that gets me so hyped. And speaking of hype, speaking of sprinting, let's talk about specifically the Yankees lineup here, right? So we have a lineup that at first glance has very minimal holes in it, right? So I'm going to read this projected 2020 lineup for you guys. And uh, I want you to tell me either a hole in it where they can get better or maybe a change that you would make uh, as far as just kind of, you know, order uh, sense. So we got DJ LeMahieu, Aaron Judge, Glaber Torres, Giancarlo Stanton, Aaron Hicks, Gary Sanchez, Luke Voigt, Brett Gardner, and Gio Urshela. That is the projected lineup. The weakest link in theory in this lineup is either Brett Gardner or Gio Urshela. Brett Gardner is one of the savviest vets who you can trust in the league, and Gio Urshela batted like a beast last year. So when I read this lineup to you guys, is there a single hole or a change that you would make, or is your confidence with this lineup just extraordinarily high right now? Alec, I'll go to you first. I mean, if there is a hole, you, if, if there is a hole, you have a backup that you know last year could handle, mm-hmm. handle the bat, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if Gio Urshela turns back into a pumpkin or Brett Gardner, you know, his age catches up to him, you have Miguel Andujar who can bat like, uh, like close to Joe DiMaggio at that age, <laughs> which we've seen those stats for, for extra base hits, which is just, outstanding and then you have Mike Talkman or Clint Frazier or Miguel Andujar is playing left field right I mean you could put uh, Stanton in left field you have so much depth if if this team it's such a big if and we always talk about it but if this team can stay healthy you have so much you can do to play around with this lineup to, to spell any dry spell right to, to 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 curtail any anything that's going on and also completely out of uh, completely tangential to this but you have to realize too with no fans in attendance there's going to be a lot of players that benefit especially on teams like the yankees that are probably not going to go into deeper uh, uh hitting snides like they usually do yeah. i don't see Giancarlo stanton hitting the you know getting into those crazy uh those crazy um uh, you know deep holes Wait that he's been minute. getting into in past years since the boo birds aren't coming out you right? might have just unlocked yeah. it right there john carlos stanton for mvp of the al he has no pressure with, from the fans. The one thing that you've said, Alex, since he came to New York, is you don't think he could handle it. You've hated him since, not that you hate him, but like you're so disappointed in him no, since he's been a Yankee. Him. Yeah, you kind of hate him. I was trying to make you sound like okay there, but you, you've just been so disappointed with him since he became a Yankee. Now there's no pressure of the bleacher creatures coming at him. This might be a beautiful thing for Giancarlo. And the thing is, too, with that, like, again, with that lineup is that, again, if Brett Gardner, Brett Gardner shows you can enter in a Mike Talkman, you can enter in a Clint Frazier, you can enter in, you know, Andujar into the outfield. There's so, there's just so much depth. It's like on a Dodgers level. The Dodgers are, are a great team because they have their second string squad could probably beat the second best team in their division. I honestly think if you put a Yankee second squad, they could definitely, you know, they definitely beat 
more than half of those teams in in the AL. And 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 another point would be that like the Yankees, they have they have these bats that can care absolutely carry them uh, through a sixty game stretch. So I'm looking at Fangraphs at the moment. So I'm looking at the they actually just came up with this nifty tool today. They are talking about the best sixty game stretches of players' careers. So I'm looking at seasons between 2016 and 2019 uh there's three yankees uh for best in the top seven of best of just best 60 game stretches in all of baseball so uh, wait so we're talking real quick the the past three seasons yes best 60 game stretches in the mlb or just the al and, and mlb beautiful and three are yankees okay continue three three are current yankees anybody uh want to take a guess of who those three yankees are I'm saying Judge has to be in there. Uh-huh. And What's, which season? Uh his his well, his rookie season. When I do I did 20, air quotes. 2017. The one where he should have won MVP over Altuve or could have should have yes, won. 2017. Yeah, okay. Correct. And then dude, Sanchez that same season? Uh no. No, Sanchez's rookie season. His rookie 20, season when he came up in the, the, those last 2 months of the season and he just hit home run after home run after home run. Uh Yep, 2016. Okay, and then you want to guess the third, and I'll give you guys a hint. He was not a Yankee at the time where he went on this stretch. Oh, it's Stanton. MVP Stanton. Yeah, also 2017. Wow. So, so Gary Sanchez uh, during that during that 60 game stretch, he hit 337, batting average 410 on base percentage, slug 747. Oh my god! <laughs> Aaron Judge, Aaron Judge, during that 27 season, batted 349, 460 on base, 739 on base percentage, and John Carlos Stanton might have been the craziest. Three, 317 batting average, 422 on base percentage, slugged 824 in that 60 game stretch with 33 home runs. Oh my god! In goodness. that 60 game stretch, so the Yankees wait, wait, how many? Hold on, hold on, hold on. How many home runs? 33 home runs in 60 games. Oh my god! Now see, all right. Now that is not a number. I don't. I think that's not a fair number to like think about if you're thinking about like say maybe no. totals right for this season. But think about that. He was hitting a home run every other game. Yeah, that's the, the potential of of the Yankees lineup is to have three of these guys who have had the best sixty game stretches in all of baseball. All right, so here, so you have you have those three guys anchoring the lineup. Like they 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 have the potential to 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 you know, to do some amazing things in these in these 60 games. And that's what I, I'm honestly the most excited about. And these early returns and, on judges health have, is great. Yeah. And you have players that weren't even around back then. Like, uh, I mean, obviously they were in 2017, 20, oh, 2018 and 2019, but Glaber is someone who is potentially going to be one of the top five players in the league right now too. Yep. So well, you have three. someone like him. Yeah. Who's, who's a pure hitter too. I mean, I, I know that term is kind of nebulous and yeah. everyone throws it around, but, He's he's a he's a pure hitter, right? And and he sees the ball well. He doesn't swing at bad pitches. And he makes contact. Um, I, and he's not really streaky, you know. And same thing with like DJ. I can see just I don't. Uh, there's a lot of consistency, oh, and there's man. a lot of players that are. That, yeah, I mean, I'm sweating. I'm, I'm just hyped about I'm it. I'm sweating Gla- thinking about Glaber, this. And Glaber is a perfect guy to bat between Stanton and Judge too, because you have two more of the slugger strikeout guys, and then you have Glaber, whose approach is totally different. So it's, I think it's a perfect way to stack the lineup. I'm just sweating. Like if if you're a pitcher and you're thinking to yourself just to get to start a game, you got to go DJ judge Glaber 
Giancarlo, then Sanchez, and then Hicks or Void or whatever, or Andujar or Frazier. That is yeah. hell. That is hell. That's brutal. Uh, yeah, real quick, I, what, odds. What, oh, sorry. What, go ahead. Oh, sorry. Go. No, I was just going to say, I like I, what I like too, just quickly about what the, what they're doing with the lineup too, is that it's kind of a combination of old school and new school, right? Obviously, you have Judge in the two hole and everything like that, but they're they're. Um, just kind of staggering things well and, and putting contact between the power and, and, and the, obviously they don't have a lot of lefty bats in the lineup or anything like that. But, you know, even just putting like, like Hicks where he's at and Glaber where he's at and, and DJ where he's at and between the, the Gary's, the, the, the stands and the judges, I like what he's doing. And, and you know what, as much as I hated Aaron Boone in his first year, I loved him last year and he clearly knows how to construct a lineup for the day. So I'm, I'm liking what I'm seeing so far. Yeah, and here here are some quick odds on the home run leader. Uh, this is according to DraftKings. We got home run leader odds for this shortened season. Who who do you think has the best odds? By the way, who's the favorite? Dodgers. No, no, no. Uh, this is a player award. There's two. There's oh. two people tied for the lead it's, for the best odds. Alonzo. It's Trout. That's one. Alonzo. Now you're gonna think of a guy last year who was on a tear hitting home runs, but then got hurt and ruined my bet for the season. Nope. Yellich or Bellinger? Nope. Played less, way less. He played, he got hurt. He missed a lot. Joey Gallo. Oh, my guy. Love Joey Gallo. He's plus 1,000. Mike Trout's plus 1,000. He's got the the beer virus right now. With the what? He's got COVID. What'd you call it? The beer virus, coronavirus. Ah, very nice. Uh, Well, he's plus 1,000, so maybe that's a bad bet if he's going to miss a string of games. Who knows? But... Trout's also plus a thousand. Then after that, we have Pete Alonso and Stanton at plus eleven hundred, and then not too far behind, I think it's the sixth best, Aaron Judge plus two thousand, and then Glaber Torres a little bit further down the list at plus twenty eight hundred. Uh, that's that's three three dudes from the Yankees who are in the top. I'd say twelve. I'm doing some quick counting here. Top twelve in home run leader odds. That's Pretty legitimate, and I wouldn't be surprised if there are some other Yankees. Yeah, I wouldn't take Gary. Yeah, I mean, he's just I, I not going to get the Gary. games yeah, as, as a catcher. And as a catcher, you just can't he's really in. bet on that. But Well, I don't I don't know about that because I, I think that, I mean, everyone's saying that a lot of teams are going to carry three catchers and everything this year, but if it's only 60, 60 games, I, why, why wouldn't teams utilize catchers more than they would normally do it, right? Yeah. I mean, it's not like they're not conditioned for it. Well, it's, it's not about playing 60 games and being tired. It's about playing seven games in a week and being tired for the eighth, right? Or six games in a week and being tired for the seventh. How many games do you think Gary plays? Do you think he plays the 50? I think it's more of a percent. I think it's a percentage thing. I'm not sure the percentage of starts he gets in 162, but I'd say it's just above that percentage. So say he plays 85% of games. It's 65, it's 60 games in 67 days, right? So, I mean, that's going to be the same percentage of days off that you would normally get in that, in that, that time period. Yeah, but he's still going to get the the day after the night. He's still not going to play. Like he's not going to catch at least maybe he'll DH who knows, but that'll be a mistake. If they, if if he plays less than 50 games, that's, that's honestly a mistake on the the Yankees part. And Higgy's not as good as Roman was either. So, I mean, I'm not re- really trusting him with the bat. I know he did well in the minors, but he has not proven that he could hit in, in the major league level. And he's like 29 years old at this point or something like that too. So it's not like he's a young buck who's got the potential to be better. I mean, he's not a good hitter. He is what he is. Well, we'll see. So, there's two different ways to look at it. And we know the Yankees obviously study these analytics very intently. Like if they're saying there's an injury risk, if they play 
X amount of games, then they're going to sit some games. And that's going to go for, you know, stand and judge too. If there's a little bit of a nick and the Yankees are doing well, and like we talked about before with Andujar, with Frazier, with Talkman, uh, they have the luxury of resting some of these studs. So that's why, I mean, I would never bet Sanchez to win the home run title. I just wouldn't bet any catcher, frankly, even if it was Mike Piazza um, in his prime. Like, I just wouldn't do it. Um, But, yeah, besides the point, I think that statement on the Yankees and their depth in hitting is just too, it's too glaring to ignore, and it's too much of a strength. They can withstand a COVID-positive test. They can withstand injuries better than anyone else in the league, just like they did last year, maybe better. And, uh, yeah, I mean, how do you just not expect this team to be on top of their division? I mean, it's not just, it's not just offense this year, though. That's the, that's the thing. It's like I, I've been a Yankee fan for a very long time, and I know that it's always offense, right? But this year we have depth in pitching, right? We have Montgomery, but like, like we, we, we were, we were able to withstand Severino going down pretty easily, right? Like we have Montgomery coming back. Clark Schmidt looks like the real deal. Debbie Garcia is a top prospect. I know he's had his struggles, but Debbie Garcia is a top prospect in, in, in baseball right now. Like you have pitching that's going to be there. Jay Happ was someone who was, we didn't know what he was going to be. It was going to be the long man or whatever the case was like, okay, he can be a starter again. That's fine. Like I know he had his issues last year, but maybe with Matt Blake that he'll, he'll, he'll be good again. And our bullpen can withstand anybody losing, losing a role to Chapman. Oh, it's okay. We have Zach Britton, who was one of the best closers in baseball for a period of time. You know, it's not, it's, we have depth everywhere. It's not just offense. And that's why that, that Cole signing transformed the team to a level that it wasn't at ever before is that we now have, depth everywhere and and that's what's exciting to me well and, and that and you hit it on that you said you said that you said the last the best name last garrett cole the best the literally they you know you want to toss up between him and Degrom, best pitcher in baseball far uh, none and now he's leading your rotation it's not even just that he is great at baseball that he he's so he's so pitching savvy and he's smart he knows he loves the crap he's an assistant like, coaching coach for us yeah basically he he, he teaches like montgomery is just sitting with him just like soaking up all this knowledge and i think like just it help pro- make everyone better and propel the step forward like it's it's so exciting to know that this guy who's so smart who's just so good and it's the prime of his career is now you know leading the staff and leading the charge and he's just like you know he's throwing He's ready to go. He's like he he's gonna he's gonna throw. He threw five innings in the simulated game, and you know he's ready to go for a hundred pitches over many nights, six seven innings. Like he's, he's ready to anchor the staff and lead the Yankees to to a World Series. Like, and I'm so so excited about it. All right, well, let's put our money where our mouth is, and when I say money, I mean fake money because we're not actually going to be betting on this. Well, we might on our own persons. We some of us live in New Jersey. We could do whatever we want. Uh, the New York Yankees over under, according to DraftKings, is 37 and a half, uh, which I believe is the highest. Let me double check the Dodgers, make sure that's not higher. Uh, it's the same. So the Dodgers and the Yankees have a 37 and a half over under, um, the highest in baseball. The juice is slightly in the under favor. So it's minus 121 for the under, just minus 104 for the over, but pretty close to about even. Uh, what do we think? Over under 37 and a half. Alec, I know you said lock uh, for 36 and a half, but what do you think about 37 and a half? Yeah. Yeah, they must have changed it because I, I, I had seen it at 36 like a couple of days ago. That's a little tougher. Um, you know, everyone always is, is talking about how like, oh, they're playing the Orioles and the Marlins and the Blue Jays and yada, yada, yada. But like, 
let's not discount the fact that the AL East and, uh, is still the AL East and the NL East is probably the best division in baseball. Um, so that's tough because I, I could see them being like 37, 38 wins on the season. I could also, I mean, listen, I could see them being 45 wins on the season. I mean, this team has the potential to have, you know, single digit losses if they really, if, if they really pull everything together right away. But that's tough. I'd still take the over on that. Um, but that's tough. I, I don't feel comfortable taking the over on that. I wouldn't put a future bet in on that one. I'll put it that way. Uh, I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you some, uh, some stats here. So the zip pro, zips projection puts the Yankees at 37, 37 wins. Um, and if you want to go based off the of 2019 performance, it's like these, uh, these betting people know what they're talking about. Their first 60 games of the season, they went 38 and 22. Their last 60 games of the season, they went 37 and 23. Wow. Their best 60 game stretch uh, of all of last season, they went 42 and 18. And their worst 60 game stretch, they went 37 and 23. Sheesh. So it's like these, it's like these betting people know what they're, know what they're talking about, know what they're doing. It's almost like like, they probably have these statistics as well. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. So plus a million more. Yeah. Putting that, putting that line at 37 is, uh, that's, 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 that's about where they were. So what does Andrew Kalania think? What what do you think, Andrew? Oh boy. Uh, if, I'm, if I'm putting fake money, I, I don't know. Uh, put, winning, winning. Uh, Just say it. Just say you want the over. <laughs> I, I know want you want over. it. I, I do. I do. <laughs> I really, I really do. And I, and I honestly think that w- with the with the lineup that they have and with the pitching staff that they have and, and how how great everybody's looks, I definitely, I I'd probably take the over. They are the best team in the AL from projection standpoint, right? And very arguably the best team in the league. I mean, Vegas is telling us it's the Yankees and the Dodgers as the two best uh, by by a pretty decent margin. I think the highest one I've seen besides the thirty seven is a thirty four and a half. Yeah, I think so. It's thirty three and a half, maybe even. So they are projected to be the best team in the league, and to think thirty seven is the highest. This is my train of thought, at least on the on the gamble perspective here. To think that the best team in the league will only get 38 wins, I think is probably a little bit too even-keeled, right? There's going to be some variation, whether it's the Yankees, whether it's the Dodgers. I'm not saying it's definitely going to be the Yankees who have the best record, but I expect somebody to get more than 37.5 wins, and the well, Yankees are the best bet to do so. So I'm saying well, over. Why not? We all, you also have to remember that like 37 wins is like 100 and like three or four game pace. So you're, you're telling me that the Yankees would win 162 game pace that the Yankees win like 104 games. And which is a lot, which, which is, I mean, very likely though. I mean, I, 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 I can see, I, I totally would have guessed that the Yankees would win about 104 games. Yeah. But yo, you, yo, you're better. not betting. Right. When, you, when you, when you say over a hundred games, I mean, it's, it's very hard to win over a hundred games of baseball. A hundred percent. Over unders don't get that high. If the Yankees, would you, I would be surprised if the Yankees lost more than 20 games. I would be. I would be surprised if the Yankees lost more than 20 games. I, I think you have to understand that they're not playing it. They're not going to be playing the game as if it was a 162-game season, right? Mm-hmm. They're not going to be comfortable with winning two out of three or three out of four. They're going to be playing every game really as, if it, as if that game matters, right? So, like, that's, that's really different. And, and knowing that they're going to be managing every game as if it's a playoff game is going to be different, right? And, and especially with the expanded rosters, they're going to throw out pitchers. And you also have to remember, too, that – something that nobody really is talking about is they have this huge new rule with relievers this year. And the team that's best suited for that is the Yankees. 
this is going to screw over a lot of teams this year with their relievers. They, there's no more lefty specialists anymore, right? This, this, now you have to have three or four relievers that can go in innings, right? That's hard. That's easier said than done. And, and pitchers aren't conditioned to go deep into games anymore. That's going to really affect things right now. The Yankees, like everyone's been saying that the, that the bullpen for the Yankees has been the best in baseball for a while now. It's getting better. And it's, it's their biggest, it's their biggest asset. And that's funny to say with their offense, obviously, but like now with this new rule, that's going to impact them so much this year. And if they're playing each game as if it matters, you're playing it as if it's a playoff game they're in a good spot to win a lot of games. And I think that like, I would be surprised if they lost more than 20 games. Obviously that's barring injuries and everything like that. But if we're just doing on paper, right. And, and assuming everyone's healthy just for the sake of this little exercise, I would be shocked if they lost more than 20 games. Now, can you, be. can you explain that reliever rule for maybe some listener or maybe host that is not a hundred percent sure on, the, <laughs> <laughs> on that rule? So now, so, so now pitcher is coming in can't just come in for one batter. It was right. one of the new uh, rules Three that Fred is putting out there. Yeah, is to, to try to speed up the pace of play, which is silly to me. Um, yeah. But now, uh, uh, now uh, what's it called? A reliever has to come in for at least three batters. Okay. So there's not a lot of teams that are conditioned for that. That's all. I'm, that's how I'm going to leave that. Beautiful. All right. Well, that's great. I think we're all on the over on the Yankees, and I think I, I think it's just hard to say the under on the best team in baseball. It's hard It's hard to yeah. just get your mental to that point. It's hard to say it, but even though Vegas is telling you they're thinking it's a little bit more likely for them to not hit the over because it's minus 120 on the under, minus 104 on the over. So they're telling you a slight little, little thing there that maybe the under is more likely, but still mentally it's hard to say the Yankees will not hit the over. Uh, but besides the point... I don't know if they're the best... Are they the best team in baseball? Because that's not what MLB.com is telling me with the Mets. Because okay. The Mets keep getting. Uh... <laughs> okay. We're, we're all right. Well, that works as a segue here on Subway Sports Talk. Ah, that's two times, by the way, where I didn't even hesitate to say the wrong podcast title. Good job, me. Um, Good. Subway Sports <laughs> Way Talk. Way to go. Here we are, and uh, you know the Mets have this thing. Well, I should say Mets fans have this thing, and I texted my buddy. Uh, who I played baseball with growing up, Anthony Labello, big Mets fan, uh, big baseball fan in general. And I texted him uh, maybe a week ago. It was right before the weekend, so right before they played the Yankees. And I said, how are we feeling about the Mets this year, man? And he said, the perfect Mets fan statement I've ever heard. Infuriatingly optimistic. And if you are a Mets fan, if you're a Knicks fan, if you're a Giants-Jets fan, the only fan in New York who can't really feel that is Yankee fans because you're actually just optimistic a lot of the times, but infuriatingly optimistic is the perfect way to describe my feelings about the Mets this year. I'm seeing MLB.com's rankings as Alex just alluded to the Mets are top 10 in lineup, top 10 in rotation, top 10 in bullpen. How their bullpen was terrible last year. Seth Lugo. It seemed like he pitched 150 games because he was the only guy who could get an out. And yeah, they got Patances. Familia looks healthier. Diaz, you could have a bounce back, and they could be good. They could. But it's all just throw your hands up and say, maybe. But they're infuriatingly optimistic uh, because their lineup is surprisingly very, very similar to their opening day lineup of last year. So basically what you're doing, you know, obviously the DH is one thing, but you take away Ligaris and you put in UNA Cespedes, which could be a huge, huge upgrade, but we don't really know what Cespedes is going to look like. We can't trust his health. All this different stuff. 
But the lineup is almost exactly the same. We still got Ramos. Uh, I'm just going by position here. Ramos catching, Alonzo at first, Cano at second, uh, Rosario at short, McNeil at third, and then you got Nimmo, Conforto. It's going to be Yo. We obviously have J.D. Davis, who will be playing a, a good amount probably every day as well. It's basically the same lineup as last year, and their offense was better than expected last year, but to think they're going to be better than expected again is something that I can't really get my head to cross that line, and seeing all this optimism online is infuriatingly optimistic for me as a Mets well, fan. So, Andrew, what's your Mets takes right now? Well, I think I think the, that optimism comes from, again, that uh, Diaz was was legitimately one of the worst relievers in baseball, and all he has to do is – all he can do is go up. And Cano was, uh, you know, he's 36, 37 years old. That, you know, that maybe that that invigorated that uh, being in a pennant race now that can, that he can – you know, be closer to what he was, you know, beforehand. And, and you know, losing uh, Syndergaard is, a, you know, a pretty big, pretty big blow to the Mets rotation. But again, they filled in some guys behind him. But I, I you know, Michael Waka and Marcel, which I, I don't really have the most confidence in. So I don't think they're starting. I think, honestly, that the Yankees have a better, for the first time in a long time, that the Yankees have a better pitching staff than the Mets do, 100%. at least starting wise. Starting wise. So. You know that's that that that's interesting, but I think that uh, Mets fans can definitely hang their hats on, on the fact that you're you're getting another year of Alonso, you're getting another year of these guys. It's it's easy to dream on on Cespedes coming back, uh, you know, bore wound and all, uh, you know, ready to come in and just hit some taters. So uh, I, I feel I feel the optimism of the Mets fans, and and again for a sixty game stretch, uh, the Mets best sixty game stretch last year they went. Uh, thirty nine and twenty one. So hell yeah, is that July? Uh, it might have been probably July, they're, August. And their and their worst sixty game stretch though. I think this they had the biggest drop off <laughs> oh, between God. best six best sixty game stretch and worst sixty game stretch. I'm so nervous. Uh, twenty four and thirty six. Andrew, oh god. So you have the, you have the numbers in front of you. You have yeah. the numbers in front of you, and obviously there's a bigger sample size to work with, right? So the multiple teams can have really good records for 60 games so how many teams had what we, we what we would consider playoff caliber 60 game stretches at this point right because i gotta think like i wouldn't be surprised like outside of like the orioles last year i wouldn't really be surprised if most teams had a 60 game stretch where they won over 30 games right yeah so we're if we're talking about the nl here teams that had over uh, let's put let's put it at 35 Teams that had okay. over third, 35 wins. We had the Braves at 40 and 20, Mets at 39, 21, Nationals at 41 and 19, Cubs 37 and 23, Brewers 38 and 22, Cardinals 40 and 20, Rockies 37 and 23, Dodgers went 43 and 17. Wow. And the San Francisco Giants went 37 and 23 as well. That's nine. That's more That's than 19. half the teams in the NL. Yeah. So I don't even know how much these stats hold water, right? I mean, no, that, that's, well, that's something dude, to think about. I, that's the point, though, right? Like, any team can can have that run. The the Marlins, like you said last year, what was the, you, didn't you mention the Marlins before? Didn't they have a stretch where they won 28 out of, out of 60? 29, like, 20, they won 29-31. That was that the, game stretch. the joke. The joke of the NL East, which was a pretty good division last year, won 29 games out of 60. And, and that could happen 500. from any team, basically, this point. And uh, that's what makes what, it so what I crazy. Think is really, what I think is interesting about the Mets is that I think that you'll see them 
mean, not that they're doing it on purpose, but out of necessity, is that they're going to model a lot of what they're doing off of what the Yankees did last year. And what I mean by that is now that they have this DH for them, and they do have players that have a lot of flexibility in where they can play around the field, you're going to see people get these days off and, and, and get it back spread around. Not you're, They're not just going to have, you know, a DH, right? They're not going to have Robinson Cano be their DH or Jonas has said as uh, be, be their, their DH every day, right? You have players like Jeff McNeil who could play around the field. You have players like Dom Smith who's been tra- who played some outfield last year, played some first base, right? Um, J.D. Davis. Uh, I, J.D. Davis, right? Like th- there's going to be a lot of players that are going to be playing out of position. So that's why I always think it's funny when people say like you lose the strategy with, with, with the DH. Like it, it's actually the opposite. Like you, you, you look at what the Yankees did last year, like DJ LeMay, he played every position on the diamond outside of the outfield. Right. Actually, I think he played a little, they might've played a little right fielder or, or at some point. Uh, Wouldn't be shocked. Um, early in the season. Yeah. Yeah. So like there's, there's so much flexibility with that and to keep players healthy and they're going to need, you need it because the Mets are, they're they're pretty much a question mark on everything, right? And, and I don't mean that as individual players. I mean that you know as as the, the right. units of the team. And question and marks are some those, bigger than others, of course. But the question marks aren't like they're not question marks like that they're, they're all bad. They're question marks that they could be bad, but they could also be really good, right? Like if you told me that that a, a bullpen of Seth Lugo, Dellen Batances, Jaris Familia, and Edwin Diaz was really good this year. I wouldn't bat an eye. But if you told me that they were bad, I also wouldn't bat an eye. If you if you're God telling damn. me that that a rotation, if you're telling me the rotation of Jacob Degrom, obviously, but Marcus Stroman, who's had ups and downs in his career, Rick Porcello, who won a Cy Young, is that, and people are looking at him as like he's nothing. Um, Michael Waka, who was a really good pitcher at times, like if you're telling me that they were really good this year too, I wouldn't be surprised. But I I I would not also be surprised if they were garbage this but, year. But so, give me give me this. Give me questions. this, Alec. Who who do you have the most trust in to be the true number two starter in this rotation? Or the second best, whether they be second or third or fourth in the actual lineup of oh, rotation. It's, but it's, who it's gotta be Strowman. It's gotta be. I mean and he has it's gotta be Strowman. He has some eh numbers in his career a lot of times. He, he does. And and that's why I think it's so interesting is people act like like and he had a really good year before he came to the Mets, he had an okay time with the Mets, not great, but he had no, he had a really good year. But guess what? He got he gets beat up by the American League. He always has his entire career. And guess who he's playing this year? Every game, he's either playing the NL East or the AL East. So he's going to get beat up this year. He's not going to be like I, I, he, he's going to be the number two guy. And you know who else gets beat up? Rick Porcello. <laughs> I mean, Rick Porcello <laughs> got got a lot of looks. Although he's been good against the Yankees, except for last year, but. I mean, these are players like like that, that I I just I don't see them doing well with the schedules that they have too, and that's something you have to take into consideration too. Like everyone's acting like just because of the Orioles and the Marlins are in these divisions that that everyone that like oh it's it's a cakewalk. Like I wouldn't be surprised if the Red Sox are good again this year. Like their rotation suspect obviously, but like that offense is still legit. Like you lost Mookie Betts, who's an incredible talent, but like Alex Verdugo is not a slouch. He's really good, and then like their lineup is Peter still Downs good too. Yeah, like Ra- Raphael Devers is still a baby. Like he's so young still. Uh, like they ha- they have so much young talent on that team still. And yeah, their 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 rotation sucks. But like it's a sixty game season, so I so, wait, I let- wouldn't be. I, I, I would say to go back to the Mets uh, number two star. I would I would put Mats as the number two starter rather behind rather than Stroman because I think Mats has got the strikeout numbers and he's been you know he's had more success. I think Stroman has at least. I'm um, looking at some of his numbers now. He's uh, 100, 
63 strikeouts and 153 innings. So I, I think he's got the strikeout numbers to maybe kind of take that step forward. He's 28 years old. Uh, so I, I think that would be my guy for the Mets. Well, let's think about uh, think about the East in general. I guess we got to start calling it the East, right? So the AL and NL East combined. Teams that can hold their own weight. Teams that will never be an easy win in these combined divisions here, right? Obviously the Yankees. I'm saying the Red Sox hold their own. The Rays obviously hold their own. Even the Blue Jays have some hype around them this year. They got some talented yeah. players. Oh yeah, and they hold their young, own. Those young hitters. If you want to count the Orioles out, that's still four teams in the AL East who are no joke. And then in the NL, NL East, we have the defending champion Nationals, the extremely talented Braves, uh, the Phillies who have a really nice lineup and a good team, and the Mets. So even if you take the Marlins out, who actually have a, a, a little bit more optimism than they did last year. That's eight teams who are legitimate players in this 60-game season that we have. And uh, it's going to be tough, but that's why this chaos is going to be so damn exciting. And I joked before about how I kind of want to see the Astros. Obviously, I mean, hopefully not, but like obviously they're not going to be cheating this year. If the Astros come out and win 40 games this season, it's going to piss people off. It's going to be so exciting. We're going to have a villain in baseball. The only villain we ever have in baseball is the Yankees, just because they're the Yankees, not because people actually hate them. We might have a real villain who's really good in the Astros, who everyone outside of Houston hates, except for me, I guess, because I'm going to be a contrarian. Um, and this 60-game chaos is going to be electric. If we look up at the standings in this Eastern bracket thing, and the Phillies, the Nationals, the Mets, and the Braves are within like three or four games after like 15 or 20, we are in for a ride, baby. One yeah. series against each other, and boom. And that could happen in the AL, that could happen in the NL East, and obviously all the other divisions as well. God damn, I'm pumped. Yeah, no, the, and, the, and the percentage, like I'm looking at some of these numbers here. So we're talking about, uh, talking about like uh, the Toronto Blue Jays here. So if in a 162-game season, they had a 0.9% chance of making the playoffs. Now in a 60-game season, 15.1%. Like the, the numbers are just, just jumping up there. So any, any team legitimately has a chance to, to make the playoffs this year. And, and, that's, the, and that's the crazy Not thing. The Not the Orioles. Not the Orioles. <laughs> <laughs> no. And, and to go back to the, that best 60-game stretch for the AL teams, so, so the Baltimore Orioles, their best 60-game stretch was 24 and 36. Oof. Their best stretch. Uh, Hopefully, Glaber Torres hits a hundred home runs against them. Oh, oh my god! I, I, I just want to. <laughs> I, I just, love it. Oh, it's the best. Him and Gary just tormented the the, the Orioles uh, so much last year. So if we're putting out, even I'll put a forty game qualifier for the AL because the AL has a bunch of teams that are that they were doing great for forty. So you have the Yankees at forty two and eighteen, their best sixty games. Just the Rays, forty and twenty. Cleveland Indians, forty three and seventeen. The Twins forty-one and nineteen. The Astros at forty-three and seventeen, and the Oakland A's at forty-one and nineteen. And that's six teams with over a forty-win stretch. Forty-win stretches. Oh if my you're god! Doing, if you're doing thirty-five, the only other team that would get included there is the Red Sox, who did thirty-six and twenty-four. Everybody else is so that, that that's sixteen overall with the NL and the AL. Three. That's uh, uh six, six fifteen. Seven. We overall. had nine and six, so fifteen. Fifteen. Yeah. yeah well. About half the league. <laughs> half the league, and um, more of them are in the NL, so it's a little more even, but the heavy hitters are, are over there in the AL. So it's interesting. All right, Nine, so for the total Mets. Nine, total of 19 teams 
had 35 wins or more between the AL and NL. 19 oh, wow. Teams. Oh, so it's way more than, than half. That's that's good. Yeah, so it's going to be crazy. All right, so before we get to our final thoughts here, let's just uh, finish up the Mets conversation. We obviously talked about the question marks, and it's harder to talk about the Mets right now than the Yankees. And also, we don't have any real games yet. We're obviously going to be talking throughout the season. But the Mets are at 32.5 over under, compare, uh, according to Vegas. The odds are almost even. The under is minus 114, and the over is minus 109, so a little bit closer of a spread than the Yankees. But 32.5, which, when you think about it in a very simple way, it's just three games over 500 to hit the over. But the Mets are in a tough division like we just talked about. They do have question marks. So, in my opinion, this is a little bit tougher than the Yankees uh, for me, even though Vegas is telling... Well, no, Vegas is saying that it's tougher, too, because it's a closer spread on the over and the under. So, what do we think? Alec, what, I'll go to you first again. Over, under 32.5 for the Metsies. So, that's another tough one. Uh, another uh, win for the uh, the folks over in Vegas. <laughs> um, for, so, I'm going to... Uh, this is how my train of thought works. They didn't look good against the Yankees, right? And I think that you're going to, and sure, you might not want to say that, you know, the Yankees are the Yankees and they're in a, two, a totally different area. No, but, it was just two, it was um, just two games, preseason type of stuff, you know, also, you know, but yeah, sure, continue, sure. continue. But, but what I think is going to, what I think is going to be really, really important this year for the Mets is that they need to beat good teams, right? And that's not, their schedule is mostly good teams. Um, so to do that, it's difficult. They will have. If you told me that they they lost every game against the Nationals, the Yankees, the Red Sox, the the Rays, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. So, and in addition to that, they have a head. Co- they have a manager who is the ultimate question mark, right? He has I mean, zero like, experience. We don't know anything about. Yeah, he's a minor league manager, and like he's been in the system for a long time, so I'm sure he's good at what he does, but. In, in, this is a pressure cooker, right? And like, this is where where uh, boys become men this year in terms of managers. Like, and if you can't if you can't rise to the occasion, you're gonna have a really hard time. So while I think that if this was a 60 game stretch, as if they were playing it as a 162 game stretch, I'd smash the over. But knowing it's a 60 game stretch that counts as a 60 game stretch, I'm gonna say take the under. Again, I'm not happy with it. I think that they probably they finish over 500, but by a game or two, uh, and it's it's going to be really tough. So I, I hope that that train of thought makes sense for sure. Uh, like I I, 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 only... I would love to say that I think finish with that. Sorry, my bad. Yeah, no, I would lo- I would love to say that the, the the Mets are good enough to to break that over under because I I think it's really low. But reasoning it out in my brain, my dumb small brain, I I, <laughs> I would say I I think that they're going to be under. Uh, but like, it's just hard to look at that number and say, oh, of course the Mets are going to be better than that. They, they get off to hot starts. They have the talent on the roster. But, you know, taking into the, the extenuating circumstances like we're talking about in, in the chaos of the season, I see it being under, but I'm not confident. So well, I hope the, that gives some of the Mets fans who listen some, some hope. <laughs> I, I would say the only thing that you may have mistaked, mistaked, mistaken, whatever. Mistook. 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 Sure, there you go. I tried. Uh, 0 for 2, but whatever. Um is the who they're going to beat. So if you were a real Mets fan, you would know that, you know, say the Nationals or the Phillies or the Braves. They lose to the Marlins. Yeah, they're going to have a winning record against them, and they're going to get smoked by the Orioles and the Marlins. (laughs) That's how how the Mets world works, Alec, okay? Try to to walk a day in my shoes. (laughs) 
Yeah. <laughs> I did. I did it with the Yankees. The Yankees would lose to the Orioles every game when nobody else was I don't want to hear it. I wish I could mute you right now. You guys still, like, make the playoffs and stuff. <laughs> we have, if you took out June last year, we're, like, the best team in baseball. At June, we were, like, eight games from the playoffs. Can't. Can't take out June, my man. I uh, wish I could, but I can't. Actually, you know what? We did. We took June out this year, okay? There's no June this year, baby. Let's go Mets. <laughs> Andrew, what do you think about the over-under for the Mets? So, so it was 32 and a half, you said? 30, correct. Uh, so, z- the Zips projections have the Mets at 33 and 27, but they also have the Braves and the Nationals both at 33 and 27. So, they're talking about they're, they're projecting a three-way tie on top of the NL East. Uh, oh, well, that's the highest in the NL East? Yeah. Oh, the, yeah, it's the so second saying. best, sec, saying the second best record in uh, in the NL. Dodgers with uh, 36 and 24, and then the Braves, Nationals, and Mets at 33 and 27. So they're saying they're the we have no idea is what they're saying. Yeah, basically. Wow, yeah. that's crazy. Yeah. yeah. So what so, does Andrew Kalania say? I, I, I don't know. Again, I, I'm, I don't, I don't, but, uh, you know, I don't I don't take as much stock in those two exhibition games. I mean, again, the the, the Yankees are definitely throwing out better pitches there than the Mets were outside of their outside of their bullpen arms. So, Even their lineup you know. looked to be like a different class. But like, yeah, yeah, I feel you. I'm not taking much stock from those first two games. No, Alec so, wants to say something really bad right now. What do you what, what do you want to say, Alec? I don't know. I just I don't think that the Yankees put out their their cream of the crop either. I mean, oh, no. you know, Jordan no, Montgomery, no. Jordan Montgomery looked great, but I mean. He was the best pitcher they faced. You know, he's our, our fifth starter, probably. Yeah, no, no, I, you know, but but again, outside of their their bullpen arms, they were throwing out Oswalt and Rick Porcello. So like, you know, the, the Yankees obviously just they tee off on mediocre pitching. That's like that. That's their bread and butter. But uh, as far as the Mets go, I, th- I again, I I buy into that a little more into that hype of them being uh, their lineup being a top top five in baseball i you know i said it on twitter i got a lot of i got a couple of Braves fans being a little mad at me saying that uh they have a better lineup than the Braves, and they still do they top to bottom they said i think the second best uh, lineup in the national league so there there you go but again there's there's very little depth uh behind they don't really have the depth of the dodgers do so if a couple guys go down uh with covid or you know just injuries whatsoever uh you know they don't really have the depth to to I can't see Cano or Suspedes going down. Anybody like that? They don't <laughs> have any. The, you know what though? Maybe, maybe the DH will keep them healthier With, than, yeah. than they would have. I was just going to say though. Who, who knows? Unlike last year, with Cespedes already being down, and I mean Lowry's a, a non-factor, but who, who else? Who else? Cano was hurt for a portion last year, I believe. That yeah. makes sense. Yeah. But like this year, if that happens again, we do have guys like Dom Smith ready to like actually play and be yeah. a contributing part of this team. Uh, J.D. Davis is going to be an everyday player, but he can also play a bunch of positions. So there is more flexibility with the Mets this year than last year, but yeah, nonetheless. Yeah, the, the, this, it's still it's still not a ton of depth. Um, but again, you still have DeGrom, you still have that, that top five lineup, and, and obviously their bullpen has nowhere to go but up. So I, I, I do have to take the over. Not, oh, not let's much. go, baby. Not, um, not by much. Maybe maybe thirty thirty four wins, thirty three wins. You can't see, you can't see you don't you don't think there's five better lineups. I, off the top of my head, I can name five five better lineups than the Mets. The top to bottom, no. I I think I think like the the Braves have a top heavy lineup, but like at, once you get past Acuna, Freeman, and Albies, fr- like, isn't Freeman out for this season? Well, no, he's no, he's back. He he just he actually just got 
back from I think he just returned to camp like yesterday. Oh, okay. So I don't okay. know if he's I don't know if he's ready for the start of the season, but but uh, he'll he'll be back at some point, right? But again, there's I mean, a lot of top. There's Yank. a lot of top. There's a lot. Well, I'm talking about the NL. I'm not talking about uh, talking about baseball. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, talking about the NL. Top five, top top five lineup in in the NL. I think they're the second best lineup in the NL. Well, time. I think, I think the Braves are a better lineup. <laughs> I, the Braves have more punch, top, though, for sure. They're, I think too. They're top. They're top heavy. Albies and Acuna and Freeman. When you have, when you have, when you, and even Gansby Swanson had a great year last year that went on. Inciarte, great player. Yeah, and 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 I wanted, I want, he's 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 not what I want. I wanted the Yankees to trade for him years ago, so I I I kind of follow him. He's been a little bit of less than expected, but I mean, I I, on paper, if we're just doing on paper, right? Like I think the Phillies have a better lineup than 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 the uh, the the Mets do. I mean. That's a good lineup that they have in Philadelphia right now. I mean, it's it's more it's just as big of a question mark as the Mets are, right? Like, I mean, there's there's plenty of people that could be good, plenty of people that could be bad, but I mean, I don't see the Mets having any level of consistency with their team or with anybody on that offense that you could say, I guarantee that person's going to have a good year. Aside Peter Alonso, the best player. Besides, besides Alonso. I mean, I mean, yes and no. I mean, well, I, I, yeah, Peter Alonso had one year. To jump in here, I was just going to say this, and even though my confidence in Alonso is pretty damn high and my confidence in McNeil is pretty damn high. Those are the two leaders of this lineup and they have a combined two seasons of great baseball. That's it. That's all they've done. And uh, even if you look at, if you look at the Braves, like Acuna, Acuna, Freeman, Albies, they've, they've done this for a longer portion of time already. And and there's not a lot of doubt in their talent and not that there's doubt in McNeil and Alonzo. There's not, but you know, prove it show that you can do it for more than one season and uh, handle this extreme circumstance. But my pick is my and, pick and is an under, by the way. You picking under? Wow. I'm picking an under. I gotta say it before I forgot to say it. Thirty. I'm thinking thirty-two wins. I, I just want to say, like, like I understand Alonzo is a superstar. Like, I, I, but I'm just telling you this from an, from a Yankees fan perspective. We never saw a Judge the same after that first year, and he's had stretches where he's been that same Judge, or he's worked his game a little bit differently. But like, let's let's call a spade a spade here. Judge was never the same as, as he was that 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 tremendous rookie season that he had, right? And I, I just think that's a, that really important to note. And and then you look at like, all right, I understand he's a young star in his first season. He had an incredible, incredible season. I, mean, I can't take anything away from that. But let's not act like people like Juan Soto haven't had probably equally as good of a season, right? If not better. I mean, you can make an argument that Juan Soto had a better season. And if you want to say that, like. Uh, you know that the, the Mets have players there. The Nationals still have players, right? I mean, the Nationals I mean, aren't a slashy outside, team. Outside of Soto, who do they have though? Outside, of, you lost Rendon. Who who else? Who else do they have that that you can say is guaranteed to put up numbers? You can say you say Howie Howie Kendrick is Howie Kendrick's going to put up numbers, and uh, Eric Thames is going to put up put up numbers. Is Starling, <laughs> Ca- Starling Castro and is Drupal Cabrera going to? Oh, don't 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 slash on Starlin. We Starlin's our guy. <laughs> yeah, I just, I understand, but like they, you know, but they, they have a better offense. They have a better pitching rotation by like a ton too. Like that's oh, important. They, oh, like that's. Oh, that's definitely important. I was just talking straight up lineup, but I think the yeah. I think the I think the National and the Braves are the better teams overall. But I, I think when you're talking about lineups, uh, I, I, I I again I would take the Mets over anybody except for the Dodgers in the National League. Trey Turner and, and I and I say this and I say this as a Yankees fan. Well, I'm, I mean, and Carter Keboom is one of the top prospects in baseball too. Like they're, they're shortstop and, this year. He's 
He's not a slouch either. So here's here's the lineup quickly for the Nationals. This is projected 2020. Uh, Trey Turner, forgot about him. Uh, Adam Eaton, oh. uh, no slouch. Right out of, out of Adam Eaton. Starlin Castro, Juan Soto, Harry Kendrick, Eric Thames, Victor Robles, not a bad player. And uh, Jan Gomes and Carter Keyboom. Yeah, that's, there's nobody there that I can, again, aside from Soto, that I'll point to and say, this is the guy that can carry the team and have that kind of great stretch that I was talking about before, having that 60-game stretch where they can absolutely smash and carry a team. I you mean, you just, but, but if, you, if you go through that lineup, like, you can't, I don't think you could tell me anybody on, on, on the Mets is decidedly a better, a better offensive player than their counterpart on the Nationals. Like, I, I don't think so. Like, McNeil. I understand we have an attached – but McNeil hasn't had a sample size that we can like. I like McNeil. I'm a big McNeil guy. Like I, I think he's really good. Like he hits for average. He hits for pop. And he's a, he's a defender that you can put around the, the entire field. But like again, like you just said, he's had two seasons. Like yeah, that, that's season. not a measure of consistency. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like that's not a measure of consistency, and that's really really important when you talk about these things because we baseball is a different type of sport. Like you can have these crazy seasons. Uh, and then just never do anything ever again. I mean, yeah. like that, that 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 happens all the time. Like it would be, it, it, it would be really weird. And this is the first guy that popped into my head. If like Brandon Ingram, I feel like he's an all star. Like Brand, like Jeff McNeil's an all star. Like they're not like top of the top of the tier, but they're all stars, right? Sure. It would be yeah. really weird if uh, Brandon Ingram, you know, all of a sudden started shooting thirty five percent from the field and averaging sixteen points a game after averaging twenty seven. But in baseball, yeah, exactly. You have a three uh, a three hundred plus season, it's not that weird if you bat 260, you bat 250, you bat 240. It happens more often. So I understand what you're saying with the variance. Um, we are getting a little long-winded here, so let's let's uh, wrap this up and move on to our final little segment here. just want to make some quick little picks, have some fun with some future bets um, for ALNL MVP and ALNL Cy Young. Why not? So let's start off with uh, the NL Cy Young. Obviously, DeGrom is a two-time defending champ of that award. I think it's absolutely crazy to think he could win it again, but I'm not going to put it past him. He has the best or the worst odds, best odds, uh, worst odds if you're trying to win a lot of money, best odds if you want to pick the winner. He's plus 350, um, but some of the other guys in that top range, Scherzer, Walker Bueller, Steven Strasburg, Jack Flaherty, Luis Castillo, Obviously, Clayton Kershaw. So, who do we like, guys? If I didn't name them uh, out of that bunch, NL Cy Young, who's our favorite? Uh, for me, for me, I think it's got to be it's it's either Jack Flaherty or Mike Soroka uh, of the Braves. Soroka, a uh, great season last year. Uh, ton, tons of strikeouts. Uh, pulling up, pulling in the process of pulling up. Uh, his stuff right now uh 2.68 era uh was leading the brave staff so i think he could take a big step forward he's only 22 years old um so i definitely could say could definitely see him uh taking uh, that extra step forward and, and winning the Cy Young. i my guy is walker bueller baby mm. uh i think i think that Great you gotta yeah, you got to consider who's on that team. That's going to be the best team in the NL. I would be shocked if it's not, right? That's going to factor into things uh, a lot. Uh, he's going to, they're going to look at things that they don't typically look at anymore. They're going to look at wins. They're going to look at strikeouts and things like that. Like the, the, the more antiquated stats, I think, this, this year, because that's, that's what we're relying upon, you know, that we don't have the, 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 the sample size. And you're also going to see things like, you're not going to see the typical, 
Cy Young season where somebody has like a low two or high one ERA anymore, right? Like the, the, it's just, it, there's, it, there's not enough innings for these people to pitch for them to trim it down. So you're going to be looking at these other stats and Walker Bueller is such a strikeout machine. His, his stuff is ridiculous. And he, that team's going to win a lot. And I think that we're going to be looking at a, are, first of all, are they doing awards at the end of the season this year? I, I know they're getting I, away I, with all. I think they have. To. If you can bet on it, they're going to, yeah. they're gonna not, do it. Just no all. Yeah, and so, just just for reference, there, Walker <laughs> Bueller has the third uh, best odds at plus eight hundred, and Mike Soroka has about like the twelfth best, plus three thousand. So if you want to get the big money yeah. play, Soroka's your guy. But Walker Bueller might be that happy medium where he's not quite plus three fifty like Degrom, but he's the third highest at uh, plus eight hundred. So I like that a lot. I might actually throw a shekel on yeah, that. Yeah, and, and Degrom Degrom's gonna get the LeBron treatment where uh, even if he is. Uh, he's not gonna, there's no way he gets it again unless he's like absolutely undeniably absurd again which is possible i guess because he's jacob Degrom. uh he's not gonna get it so i I like the bueller uh let's move on to nl mvp we'll stick with the nl for now um best odds both los angeles dodgers mookie Betts plus 550 bellinger plus 700 rounding out that that group there right mookie Betts is shocking there a little bit is yelly acuna soto oh there goes my phone Bryce Harper, which is crazy. Nolan Arenado, Baez, Tatis, and down a little bit longer is Pete Alonso at plus three thousand. So, who do you like for NL MVP? I think I think I'll take uh, Ronald Acuna Jr. Uh, again, the, stole my pick again. It's twenty twenty two years old. Just this, just absolute stud again. Two, he's only had two years in the big as well. Him and Soto are uh, only two years. So, if you want to just a just to put a pin in, in that last conversation, talking about Nick Dillon Alonso only having uh, short success at MLB. Soto and uh, Acuna are only going into the third year of Major League Baseball. But again, those guys are just so super talented that you know Acuna gets on base. He steal, he he stole thirty bags last year. He hit for power. Like he's a he's the all around uh, best player. Uh, I, I think I think the next time we say. Uh, that someone's better than Mike Trout, I think it's going to be Ronald Acuna Jr. So he's my pick for uh, NL MVP. So uh, I think it's tough again. Um, and I, I think that MLB loves the narrative of Yelly versus Belly. I think they really love pushing that. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's going to be a factor into things. But I also think that that splits the vote a little bit. And I could see someone I, – I, I really love Juan Soto's game. I really, really love him. And I think the Nationals are going to end up winning that division this year or, or at least a wild card game. Uh, getting to the wild card game, they're going to be a playoff team. And we all know that even though it's transitioning away from, you know, you have to be a playoff team to win these awards, it still factors into it to an extent. So I, I think that that's going to factor into it for sure. And I, I – I think Juan Soto's game is just so good, and maybe that's just a fan pick because I love him. I love watching him, but that's going to be my pick for for MVP this year for the NL. I like them. I like them both. I was actually I was targeting those two, like in my actual real life, betting on them. I might bet on both of them. I think for plus nine hundred for Acuna, plus a thousand for Soto, it's nice, nice little uh, juice on that pick. Uh, Pete Alonso at plus three thousand for the Mets fans out there. Sneaky Jacob Degrom plus thirty three hundred. How you doing? This is crazy though. Can you believe that Cespedes is like even that. on this list? Cespedes is no, top twenty that. on the list. He's plus four thousand, which is crazy to me. But my pick, nonetheless, 
to stray from you guys, a little bit more of a sleeper. Uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. I love that dude's flair. He can really capture America if he's making just beautiful plays like he can. And he has pop. He's got speed, like you guys said about Soto and Acuna. Uh, Fernando Tatis, that's my my sneaky pick. All right, on to the AL. Um, Don't sleep on on Mookie Betts, too, in a a contract year. Oh, well, of course. You know what? It's, It's always easy to say the guy with the best odds can win. Right, yeah. but he's plus five fifty. Yeah. It's not like, you know, in the NL Cy Young, Degrom's plus three fifty. That's like, that's not great for an awards odds right there. No. Uh, but plus five fifty is not too shabby. So I'll, AL, oh, I'll tell you one thing real quick though. Um, if if the two favorites are on the same team, don't pick them. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, that's, yeah. that's gambling one on one. I mean, you're just, they're going to yeah. put the vote. Can't do it. Um, all right, AL Cy Young, Garrett Cole, leader in the clubhouse, plus two seventy five. That's pretty sick. Yeah, um, followed up money. Verlander, Shane Bieber, Blake Snell, Clevenger, Glass now amongst some others. Who do we like for AL Cy Young? That's, I think we're all in agreement on this one. Can I guess? Yeah, can I yeah, guess that? Go, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I think it's all, it's, it's Garrett Cole. <laughs> I think everyone's taking Garrett Cole on that one. All right. So who's the sleeper? Who's the sleeper? Give me a sleeper. I don't I have t- a sleeper. It's t- Garrett Cole. T- t- Lucas t- Giolotto. T- t- Tyler Glass now of the uh, Tampa Bay Rays. Love would it. be my, would be my absolute sleeper when that when he was healthy last year he was a he was an absolute yeah. stud. Well, I guess uh, I think he's I think he's going to be the biggest problem. Uh, him, him and Morton are going to be the biggest problems uh, in the Yankees side this season. And I think uh, that trade where where the the Rays got uh, Glasnow and Austin Meadows for the the oh, yeah. of oh. Chris Archer is probably going down as the worst trade. Or Love Austin trade, Meadows. Which 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 uh, perspective you have is MLB history. So. I glass that would be my uh, sleeper pick for AL Cy Young. Love, I love me some awesome. If you want, you mentioned you mentioned Giolito, and I love Giolito. I think he's so good, and he's one of those players that wasn't. And I, it's it's like with, with pitcher pitching prospects coming into baseball, kind of like point guards coming into the NBA. You got to give them a year or two to, to to really get it under their wings. And people thought he was going to be a bust because he came up and he just wasn't great. But he has ridiculous stuff. That being said, nobody on the White Sox is winning an MVP. It's just not going to happen. I mean, Dude. Not, it's just not going to happen. So <laughs> sneaky White Sox, though. Well, actually, didn't Jake Peavy win it for? No, Jake Peavy won it for the for the Padres, right? He didn't win it for the yeah, White Sox. Yeah, he, he won for the Padres. Dude, the uh, White Sox are yeah. low key pretty fun right now. Just saying. No, they're not. The, the White Sox are the White. Sox, they, they may be fun. They will not win. I, I, I'm <laughs> sick of this narrative that, 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 that people are going to act like the White Sox are going to be good. It's not gonna I just said fun. White, White, White Sox postseason odds for 162-game season was 18.7%. Now with the 60-game season, 36.2%. Eat Pretty that. Good. Eat that, Pretty Alec. Good. Are you familiar with the Cleveland Browns? Are you familiar with the Cleveland Browns, you guys? Uh, Remember when everyone said that the Cleveland Browns were going to be a Super Bowl favorite last year? And then yeah, someone all like those me was, and I'm not, I'm not and I'm not the only person that would say this, but I'm not taking credit for myself, but you look at the Browns and you say, okay, well, this is the Cleveland Browns. So something's going to go wrong. Something's that, you know, it's, it's going to turn back into a pumpkin at midnight. That's the white Sox. They will That's, not win anything. I won a championship in our life. Oh, 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 five. They won a championship oh, 20 years ago or 15 oh, years ago. Okay. Oh, five. Almost as, so, as long and, as the Yankees have. And the Orioles, Orioles were a, a perennial playoff team six years ago. I mean, it's, it's, it doesn't matter. It has nothing to do with anything. Tim Anderson, Luis Robert, who I just learned about. Elo, Eloy Jimenez. Eloy Jimenez. Come on. Giolito. Wow. Mankato, I know. Mankato. Na- name, name, name me a pitcher on that staff besides Giolito. You know. Uh, Gio Gonzalez. 
He's on, he's on the White Sox now? Yeah. <laughs> Didn't he, wasn't he and on three different teams last da- year? Dallas Keuchel. Dallas Keuchel is on the White Sox. Yeah, well. that's right. Let's go. I'm a big you White Sox guy now just because of you. And they, and they got and they got uh, Encarnacion as the DH. I just I want I want the uh, the only thing I have to say about that is it makes me think of the Indians and I want the Indians to be so bad this year that they have no choice but to get rid of Francisco Lindor and, and then the he comes away. Yeah, that's all where right. He that's enough. This podcast is enough now. I'm over it. <laughs> let's let's get to the AL MVP. My AL MVP pick is Tim Anderson plus fifteen thousand, and uh, that's all I have to say mm-hmm. about that. Just, <laughs> just kidding. Uh, so Mike Trout obviously is the leader in the clubhouse, plus two hundred. Not going to play this year. Only double, only double your money for him to win MVP. That's insane. The second best odds is Aaron Judge at plus eight hundred, followed by Lindor, Rendon, like Bregman, that. Chapman, Donaldson, and Glaber. Shouts to Glaber. So who do we like for AL MVP? My, uh, my, my, uh, my head says Mike Trout. My heart says Aaron Judge. Whoa. I thought you were going to say Glaber, to be honest. No, no. I, I want to say Glaber, but just like, I don't know. The way Judge has looked at the preseason, it's just him. He's just so locked in, and he's so ready to, you know, I think he was legitimately pissed off about, uh, you know, finding out that L2 yep. cheated, cheated him out of an MVP. Yep. And I think he's so ready to kind of just put the the – the injury proneness, like the that kind of sticker behind him, and just kind of have that season again of being like the best player in baseball. So uh, I think that may again. I think if you want to talk about LeBron, uh, you know, sticker. Put that on Mike Trout. Yeah. Where, you know, obviously he's a he's obviously he's the best player on the planet. And I think he'll be. But I think you know if Aaron Judge comes out and has that type of season, I, I think he's got the name. He's got the you know the team, and, he, and the Yankees will definitely be in the playoffs. So I, I that's that's judgy. But lock it in. Lock it in. Yeah, I, I agree with everything he, uh, that Drew just said. I, I think that Trout gets that LeBron treatment. Uh, I think that people want to vote for him, but they, they don't want to give it to him every year. I also think that there's a really, really solid chance that Trout doesn't play this year. Even if he starts the season with them, I don't know that he'll finish it with them. Um, yeah, it's pregnant. COVID. Yeah, and, and he's been very vocal about that. So I think that that's fair to call into question. Also, he's garbage. Um, no, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> but um, but uh, I, I think the judge, not only the fact that I'm sure he wants to, um, you know, get that reputation and, and, and for and get what he feels he deserves after after the Jose Altuve situation, I think the voters are going to want to give him a makeup situation too, right? It's like it's like when 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 Leonardo DiCaprio wins an Oscar for The Revenant, even though that's not his best movie, it's just because everyone feels that he's owed one, and or you know, um, Scorsese winning it for Goodfellas, whatever the case is. Um, uh, you you just expect you expect it. The, the the voters to take that into consideration uh and i would that being said i think that glaber has the better season so that might factor into things right like i it's 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 you never want two people on the same team when it comes to this to, to split the votes so that's going to factor into it i think glaber has the better season but judge has the storyline and if judge can post numbers that are if he can post like a 280 average with I, I don't know what the I, let's say that 400, the mark 400, for, on, 400 on base percentage something like that yeah, yeah and, and let's say what, what's home runs going to be this year like say an average 18, I, I guess like the problem 22 yeah 20, so, yeah so, I'd say in the so 20s would be the high mark if he posts if he if he posts probably between 15 to 18 home runs a 280 average and a 400 on base percentage 
I could see him winning the 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 MVP. It's it's I I think that people are like it's going to be hard to give weight to like statistics this year because they're there's going to be fugazi, right? So like yeah. you have to just kind of use the eye test a little bit when they would and we all know that baseball voters like to use the eye test when they when they do this and like to use their own storylines when it comes to these awards. So I could totally see Aaron Judge winning it, but if you're at, like asking me who I think is going to end up deserving it, I'm going to say it's Clay Torres. But if I'm a, if I'm betting on it, I'm going to say Judge. That's, that's the sound. In a similar odds realm of Glaber in the two plus two thousand range, I like Rafael Devers plus twenty five hundred. I think he's he's primed to just. I think he's primed <laughs> to go off this year. I think I'm he's. Here. I think he's ready to have an awesome season. And I think if the Red Sox hang around, why not? Babyface McGee over there, Rafael Devers. I mean, I I mean, like I said, I I think that a lot of what's going to go in, uh, into the voters' minds at the end of the year is traditional statistics that we no longer look at and. He's not going to have the opportunities like the the run scored in the RBIs that he's gotten in the past, right? Sure. And, and I think I think that but, that's you know, totally going to factor into it. You know what's funny though with the home runs, where you know we're estimating like twenty would be a really really nice number. It is not like completely out of the realm of possibilities that somebody like a Joey Gallo, who may only be hitting two forty, has like twenty nine home runs. You know, so it'll be interesting to see I mean, what, what, did what you these carry stats get to. Thirty three in the sixty game stretch, right? Is that yep. what you said before, Drew? Yep. Crazy. All right. Well, we definitely went a little long there, but that's what we do here, I guess, on the Subway Sports Talk podcast. Uh, <laughs> you got it. You got third time. Third time. Three for three. Third. I'm I'm pretty good. sick at this, I guess, to be honest. But uh, <laughs> it's uh it's been really fun. First episode in the books for Subway Sports Talk. Thrilled. May have to cut out like ten minutes in the beginning just to make this reasonably. Uh, an hour and a half instead of an hour and 40, but whatever, who cares? It's great talk. I had a wonderful time talking Mets, Yankees, and all things baseball with you guys as always. So this is going to be a fun season. Can't wait to touch base with you guys in a week or two. Talk about what we're actually seeing on the field that counts for real, you know, playoff seedings and awards and all this stuff. Sports are pretty much back. And let's just hope that all the health things, uh, as far as COVID are concerned, continue on the track they're on right now, which is a pretty dang solid track for the NBA and baseball alike. So shouts to that situation and shouts to us, Alec Argento. Thank you so much as always. Andrew Kalania, thank you as always to you as well. And this has been the first installment of Subway Sports Talk. Thank you for listening. Yay, yay. So I know that that went over, but that was fun as fuck.